Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this morning? It is a comfortable 80 degrees outside right now. And the uh, forecast is partly cloudy now, but this after 3 o'clock it's supposed to be rain again, which is nice. I can tell you we like the rain because it, starting next month it's going to get dry, dry, dry. So anyway, you guys are um, probably enjoying a lot of cold weather up there. Hopefully getting some, some nice days to enjoy outside. We are in Jeremiah, 18th chapter, going through chapter 20 in Jeremiah. Yesterday I was mentioned, I checked into this whole thing about the Sabbath day. I got no, no commentators touched it as far as what it was, the ones I read, as far as why he brought that in in the midst of the end when Jerusalem had been judged. They know they're going to go in captivity. The only thing that I found was the commentators were saying that God was testing them as if they wanted to keep his word, that it was important that he commanded them to keep his commands from the beginning, from Mount Sinai. And if they would do that, uh, that was the one that was directed to him. The others were directed to other people, right? To not kill, not steal, not everything. That one was directed directly to him. Then he would honor them, and maybe he would do an amazing miracle and turn around their captivity, I'm not sure. Anyway, just that I'd throw that out because I told you guys I would check into it. Jeremiah 18, before we go there, let's look at this day in trivia. This day in trivia, we see that the first reigning queen to visit the United States was October 18th, 1926. Queen Marie of Romania arrives in New York City for a one-month visit. And there's a nice picture of the queen here. Nice crown. The Alaska Territory. This one's rather fascinating to me. October 18th, 1867. I never remember even learning about this in history class, but what else is new? The U.S. takes possession of the Alaska Territory. The U.S. had purchased it from Russia in March for two cents an acre, referred to by its critics as the purchase of Sayward's Folly because Secretary of State William H. Sayward negotiated the treaty and everybody thought, eh, a bunch of what a, they thought it was stupid, basically ridiculous. What are you doing buying all that property up there? Russia was eager to sell the territory, fearing that they would lose it anyway if war broke out with the United Kingdom. So it was purchased on this day, and it became a state, believe it or not, in 1959. 1959, it's only been a state since 1959. That's astounding. And we're going to find out Puerto Rico was interesting. It was 30 years later on this day. The Spanish-American War was in October 18th, 1898. That one was in 67 or something like that, 1867. The U.S. takes possessions of possession of Puerto Rico from Spain as a result of the war. So for a long time, both Alaska and Puerto Rico were territories. Puerto Rico still is. It's interesting how all that territory stuff works out. 
I don't say that I can totally understand it, but but it's there. Uh, I'm sorry, Canadians. I'm apologizing for uh, us in America in eighteen. Uh, no, in 1992, in October 18, the Canadian flag was flown upside down by U.S. Marines during the opening game of the World Series. <laughs> and the Canadian anthem was improperly sung. So I apologize for that. <laughs> Somebody didn't know which way the Maple Leaf goes, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's, this was a notable thing in history, and of course it should be. It was done wrong. They need, I'm sure they uh, put in a formal apology with them. Mm. The uh, Nuremberg trial started on this date, October 18th, 1945. 24 former Nazi leaders were indicted in Berlin for crimes against humanity. Their trial was held a month later in Nuremberg, which 12 were sentenced to death. The majority of them got away and went to Argentina. Interesting study. I encourage you guys to do that. It is um, compelling, and there's some very good information there. I think we'll move over to the dad jokes and see what we have over here. <laughs> okay, here we go. Never date a tennis player. Love means nothing to them. <laughs> now, you have to be a tennis player to understand how the scoring goes. <laughs> it's true. I haven't thought about that. Uh, what's a lawyer's favorite drink? So pina colada, that's, that's pretty good. Not bad. All right, move it over. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah 18, if you would, please. Father God, thank you for our time this morning. We just, we just love reading your word. Guide us, give us the understanding. Oh, even the things we don't understand, God, help us to... to um, Meditate on them. Uh, help us to find the answers through the rest of the scriptures to connect them. It is a beautiful task, God, that you give us to dive into your word, to search out a thing. And that's what we desire to do, Father. So help us in that, guide us in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 18, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise. And go to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you? As this potter does, declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build it up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight, by not obeying my voice, then I think, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, 
Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. O turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. But they will say it's hopeless, for we are going to follow our own plans and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Ask now among the nations who ever heard the like of this, the Virgin of Israel has done the most appalling thing. Does the snow of Lebanon forsake the rock of the open country? Or is the cold flowing water from a foreign land ever snatched away? For my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They have stumbled from their ways, from their ancient paths, to walk in bypaths, not on the highway to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. Like an east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their calamity. Then they say, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor the counsel to the sage nor the divine word to the prophet. Come on and let us strike at him with our tongue and let us give no heed to any of his words. Do give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to what my opponents are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? For they have dug a pit for me. Remember how I stood before you to speak good on their behalf so as to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore, give their children over to famine and deliver them up to the power of the sword and let their wives become childless and widowed. Let their men also be smitten to death. Their young men struck down by the sword in battle. May an outcry be heard from their houses when you suddenly bring raiders upon them, for they have dug a pit to capture me and hidden snares from my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their deadly designs against me. Do not forgive their iniquity or blot out their sin from your sight, but may they be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Chapter 19. Thus says the Lord, Go and buy a potter's earthenware jar and take some of the elders of the people and some of the senior priests. Then go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entrance to the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I tell you. And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I am about to bring a calamity upon this place, at which the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle, because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices to other gods. And neither they nor their forefathers nor their kings of Judah had ever known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent, they have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire, as burnt offerings to Baal or Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter into my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place will no longer be called Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, but rather the Valley of Slaughter. I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand 
of those who seek their life. And I will give over their carcasses as food for the birds of the sky and beasts of the earth. I will also make this city a desolation and an object of hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss because of its disaster. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they will eat one another's flesh in the siege and in the distress with which their enemies and those who seek their life will distress them. Then you are to break the jar in the sight of the men who accompany you and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Just so will I break this people and this city, even as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot again be repaired, and they will bury in Topheth, because there is no other place for burial. This is how I will treat this place and its inhabitants, declares the Lord, so as to make this city like Topheth, the house of Jerusalem, and like the house of kings of Judah, will be defiled like the place Topheth, because of all the houses on whose rooftops are burnt sacrifices, and all the heavenly hosts are poured out drink offerings to other gods. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring on this city and all its towns the entire calamity that I have declared against it, because they have stiffened their necks so as not to heed my words. Chapter 20 when Pasher the priest, son of Immer, who was chief officer of the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pasher had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. On the next day, when Pasher released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, Pasher is not the name the Lord has called you, but rather Megor Mishabib. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I am going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. And while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. So I will give over all Judah to the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will carry them away as exiles to Babylon and slay them with the sword. And I will give over all the wealth of this city, all its produce and all its costly things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah I will give over to the hand of their enemies, and they will plunder them, take them away, and bring them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who live in your house will go into captivity, and you will enter Babylon, and there you will die, and there you will be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have falsely proclaimed. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction, because for me the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But I say, I will not remember him or speak any more in his name. Then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. For I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side. Denounce him, yes, let us denounce him. All the trusted friends watching for my fall say, Perhaps he will be deceived, 
so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting disgrace that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who seek the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have set forth my cause. Sing to the Lord praise, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of evildoers. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let that day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A baby boy has been born to you, and made him very happy. But let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting. Let him hear an outcry in the morning, the shout of an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me before birth, so that my mother would have been my grave, her womb very pregnant. And why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow, so that my days have been spent in shame? Well, right there at the end, you have to realize that Jeremiah was what's been called the weeping prophet. He saw all he did was prophesy destruction and the the sentence of the Lord for their infidelity um, and what was coming upon Israel or Jerusalem. So he was very unpopular, disliked. And of course, we see what Pasher did to him, throws him in stocks overnight, beat him. He may have written this in his mind or whatever right after he got out of those stocks. He he f- fell into depression because he says, hey, the Lord's like a great champion on my side. You know, nobody's going nobody's gonna to win over my ministry with God because he knew God had commanded him. God was on his side. He knew that he was righteous and everything he was doing was according to the Lord's will. And yet... He gets to this point where he's like, man, curse the day I was ever born. He's like, this is such a heavy message. And it's such a heavy ministry that I've been called to do. And he basically wishes he was never born. We see the humanness of the prophet. And this, if nothing else, is encouraging it to me. In the sense that God allowed him to write this down, allowed him to express it, knowing that overall... Jeremiah didn't really desire that. It's just what he was feeling, that he needed to get that feeling out. That's my opinion. Um, That his life was not very enjoyable at that time. But it wasn't that he felt that he himself was an absolute failure to God. He knew he wasn't. He knew that he was obedient to God. What he felt was just the harshness of the rejection of the people around him. And the un- unloving response and being so set apart from people, that's what caused him to wish that he had not been born. And so I think we can give a lot of uh, leeway to his emotions there and say, yeah, I would probably feel the same thing. But God honored him. He becomes, yeah, I mean, he's one of the one of the most quoted prophets, really. And we see so many incredible prophecies through Jeremiah that become 
written down, and it's it's Jeremiah Daniel was reading that encouraged him that say, hey, the the, the captivity's about up. We got to get ready to go back to Jerusalem. So God used him in a big way. Now about the thing of the the potter and the clay and everything, that's a really really good analogy. What how God is? God is the potter, and we are the clay, and He can mold us and shape us, and He does, and He has the right to. And the the ideas, and uh, I guess. I think it's Paul that takes this idea in the New Testament, takes it directly from Jeremiah, I believe. That God has the sovereign will to do as he wishes, and he is molding us, he is shaping us. And we are not, uh, sometimes he wants to mold us in different ways that we don't want to be molded. And then he wants to shape us more and more into godly men and women. And we're not always compliant, but he has that right. And so he, that's what he's doing with Israel. He says, I'm the Lord, I'm sovereign. And then he takes, once it's finished, of course, the potter takes it through the fire, which hardens it. And we can take that both ways, but in a good way, it makes it strong. Then um, it can be broken if it proves to be the vessel that it is you used not being used as it should or it has been used carelessly or it has served its purpose what have you the the potter can still choose to break it and yet in this sense (laughs) it can't be remolded there's some interesting thoughts there anyway i was i used to be a potter and so this means a lot to me i enjoyed doing a lot of pottery and i really can identify with it Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, and to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers.
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. For he put all things of subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I could um, put this, this should be this chapter, but especially the last two verses, 18, 19, 20, that as a introduction to manna for breakfast because as a reading ministry, reading through the word, because this is really God's desire that he desires for us to have that blessing. Go back and read those verses and intensity of knowing the fullness of the riches and the, and the, the God of our salvation and the grace that we have and um, being built up. And there's just so many wonderful things that Paul is praying for the Ephesians here, but which is accomplished through the word of God. And yes, he predestined us, but look, if you look, he says further down, he says, to those who believed, <laughs> to those who chose, those who decided to follow after him. And, uh, and he is now seated at the right hand of God, and he is the head of the church. Paul brings this glorious knowledge of Jesus Christ to the church of Ephesus right in the first chapter. Ephesians is one of those books that you just want to sit back and marvel at the greatness of God and Jesus and have this f- knowledge that he did that for us. He is our redemption, and we are seated with him in the heavenlies in the perfect, in the present tense, in our salvation. Uh, this is a, 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 a thought that we cannot even grasp, actually. It is too great of a thought that we've already seen him win the victory. He's already overcome the enemy. And there's a sense from the heavenly perspective we're already there, seated with him, rejoicing and in fellowship with him. The battle's been won. Charles Spurgeon tears than joyful harvest they that sow in tears shall reap in joy psalm 126 5 weeping times are suitable for sowing we do not want the ground to be too dry seed steeped in the tears of earnest anxiety will come up all the sooner the salt of prayerful tears will give the good seed a flavor which will preserve it from the worm truth spoken and awful earnestness has a double life about it. Instead of stopping our sowing because of our weeping, let us redouble our efforts because the season is so propitious. Our heavenly seed could not fitly be sown. Laughing, deep sorrow, and concern for the souls of others are far more fit complement of glory teaching than anything like levity. We have heard of men who went to war with a light heart, but they were beaten. It is mostly so with those who sow in the same style. 
Come, then, my heart, sow on in weeping, for thou hast the promise of a joyful harvest. Thou shalt reap. Thou thyself shalt see some results of thy labor. This shall come to thee in so large a measure as to give thee joy, which a poor, withered, and scantly harvest would not do. When thine eyes are dim with silver tears, think of the golden corn. Bear cheerfully the present toil and disappointment, and the harvest will fully recompense thee. Well, I could certainly see how this would be, or we could apply this to Jeremiah, who had a lot of weeping, a lot of sadness, although his harvest was held back because of God's judgment, but that doesn't mean that many individuals did not hear him as well, that he never even knew about, or that we now hear his words, and we take the counsel, and we do not turn that direction of disobedience. There's no telling how many millions of believers have, people have read Jeremiah over the centuries, and have then decided to fall off the Lord and not after sin. So maybe his his harvest came out well after he ever even lived, which is a good thing. So that's what he's telling us. He's telling us, and this is really encouraging, that you can weep over the situation of the world, the situation of people you know, what's going on around you. I don't think this per se weeping over your own um, difficulties. We are to set our mind on things above and not to be self-focused and be weeping about why I didn't get this or why I didn't get that. But if you're weeping, I believe, for the condition of man and sin and those around you and people in your family that won't listen to you and won't receive your word and things that are going, that's planting seeds there and you're weeping and covering them and uh, using, and that is uh, causing something, a future harvest to come up there in a big, big way, I think. That's beautiful words. So let's be um, in prayer about that. And there's a lot to be in prayer about in the world and a reason to be weeping. Be looking into the news seriously in these next two weeks. We have no idea if anything's going to happen, but... All these countries are pulling their their people out of the Ukraine right now. And uh, even China is making some really strong statements. Uh, So, against Taiwan and stuff, but we don't know which one's going to actually happen first. But it would seem, we have the um, NATO forces doing, right now, are doing, they say, annual training exercises with nuclear war. I guess, but it just happens to be, it's just 600 miles away from Russia, and they're doing major exercises uh, to try and know how to deal with a tactical nuke and what would do what would happen there. Uh, Russia just, had, just sent 300,000 of its troops stationed it around the Ukraine, I guess, near Bel- in Belarus or something. And so this is about as boiling over as you can get. I mean, it's right on the verge of just everything boiling over. And the analysts looking at this say, something is probably going to happen in about the next two weeks. So we need to be in prayer about the condition of the world. We do not fall to fear, but we do want to be prayerful and uh, understanding and know the days that we live in because 
that could mean that the food chain is severely affected. We already see the gas is affected. We already see what's going on in, in, in Europe and the energy prices. So many people say it's already started. But let's be praying seriously for these things and let our, our tears, if need be, bathe those prayers so that uh, it will produce a harvest. So, Father God, thank you for this morning and your blessing upon us. We have some very, very sad things going on in our world right now. We do pray, God, that cooler heads would prevail, that you would use very wise and God-fearing men and women to find a way out of this quagmire, find a way around this impending um, war, that you might even frustrate the plans of the globalists that are provoking all of this, and you would be able to somehow let this all blow over. Prepare us, God. Prepare us for this. everything that's going to happen this winter, um, for, the, for the gas prices, for heating, cooling, travel, whatever it is, God. Uh, give us your insight. Give us your, your will, how to deal with all this stuff. But most of all, God, give us boldness to boldly come before your throne to, in prayer, to be able to share with the people we love around us why this is happening, to be able to be um, like Jeremiah and tell them that this is all prophesied, that we've known it's coming, and that we are now proclaiming that it's time for men to change, to men to cry out to you, to repent. So we lift these things up before you now and pray for those that are going to be suffering and those who are going to be needing a lot of heating um, in Europe that need it now and be able to afford it. I'm thinking of even Esti in, in Italy, they'd be able to bless her and her ministry there with all of her friends that their whole church would be able to be able to come around each other, encourage one another, be able to have the heating, um, the money to pay for it, the ways by which they can keep food on the table and keep warm. Father, bless um, Juan Carlos. It's encouraging to see he's doing better. Thank you for him and those treatments. We thank you again for the Briones family and uh, their being together, encouraging one another as they're now starting to realize the reality that everything that Anna always told them is true. Everything she always said, that she was a child of God. She knew she, where she was going. She, she died in faith, strong, with her convictions, never doubting, as she passed through God from this life into your kingdom. So we thank you for that. And we thank you for everyone else who's been pressing on in that same mindset, no matter the difficulties in their life and the things that you are, have been doing uh, in our church. Thank you for the new people. Thank you for the mission today. Bless it. Bless the kids. Bless the teachers. So, God, we, we um, put this whole day in your hand. We do pray for Adam, uh, Ray's friend with his throat cancer, so sad and tragic. We do pray that he does get the um, healing that he needs and the treatment. And also Pastor Joe up in uh, Bucerias, who's uh, struggling with some severe headaches and some swelling in his leg, and it seems like something else may be going on in his body. So, God, we pray for a complete healing of his body now. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, we will see you guys the same time tomorrow. Um, send us a prayer request if you have one. Uh, be praying for Dean and Kim as well and their whole family as they're still struggling somewhat with these um, viruses and stuff. And also, uh, well, 
Kevin and Lee should be on the mend. We think they might be coming with us to the mission, so we are going to thank God for their healing. So we will see you guys tomorrow. Okay, bye-bye.